HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to Spill and Dish, a new podcast from the Specialty Food Association. Founded in 1952, SFA is the leading trade association and source of information about the $175 billion specialty food industry. We champion the food producers, retailers, and other buyers who make up the specialty food world. Each episode, we want to share the stories behind the products made and sold by our members who are helping shape the future of food. You can listen and discover the inspiration, recipe, craft, culture, ingredients, and production methods that help answer the question, what makes specialty food special? I'm today's host, Julie Gallagher, Content Director at SFA. We're excited to bring you today's episode and so happy to be working with Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit podcast network covering the world of food, drink, and agriculture, and expanding the way eaters think about food. Today's guests are a husband and wife team, Monique and Ray Dukes, co-founders of Rosella Baked Goods, maker of a Just Add Water sweet potato mix and a buttercream pancake mix, white stone ground grits, and a garlic pepper breader. I love that your family business is an offshoot of another family business. So, Ray, can you tell me a little bit about your dad's passion for food? Sure, sure. So, my dad was always just a chef anyway, like in the kitchen, and... um his passion was to start a restaurant one day, and he, Brooklyn-born, Brooklyn kid, um, and decided to, to move down south and open up a seafood restaurant called Something Fishy, which he I did. And he would do fish, he would do uh, hush puppies, and he would do sweet potato hush puppies uh, with our mix. Mm-hmm. And he said one day, he said, son, what do you think about taking our mix and bagging it up and selling it in grocery stores? I said, Dad, I think it's a fantastic idea. Let's take it a step further and not only do hush puppies, but let's do a pancake bag, too, because it's a dry mix. (laughs) So we did it. We started. Uh, Eventually, we got rid of the hush puppies because the pancakes took off 
okay. so well. So we were about a year into it, uh, and unfortunately, my father got sick and, and passed away oh, I'm sorry uh, from that. cancer. Yeah, so I, I put the business down uh, 2014. I met Monique in 2015, and just through casual conversation, um, it came up. The business came up, and she, you know, the question was, well, "What are you? What are you doing with it now?" And the answer was, "Well, nothing. My, my dad passed. I just let it sit." And she said, well, you should finish what you guys started. Uh, so I gave it some thought. Uh, we ended up getting married. I made her my business partner. In 2016, we got really serious. And uh, here we are. Wow. So back up a little bit. Tell me about the mix. It was a mix that was used in the restaurant? Yes, it's a dry mix. It's a dry sweet potato mix. Uh, it's got real sweet potato granules in it. It's fantastic. So was this something that your father made back in the day or yes. this is okay. something this is something that he made and he decided to and it's funny the pancake thing was not even on the radar because he had a he had a fish you know restaurant mm -hmm. and so really all about just the hush puppies um, but at the time I said you know what I don't know of any the sweet potato things like real hot mm -hmm. and I said well now's a good time to do some pancakes right and so that's what we did and it really just took off. Um, and you can still do the hush puppies with the with the mix too. Oh, so, change the ratio mm -hmm. from the water. Oh, okay, so you had sort of a ready-made fan base for people who had been coming to the restaurant and they enjoyed these things, That's right? So how um, how can people get a hold of your products? Uh, yeah, so we are on Amazon. Okay. So we sell on Amazon. We sell on our website. Uh, and we do have a, a southeastern footprint for brick and mortar stores. So okay. we're in some Lowe's food stores, um, some Publixes, some Harris Teeters, um, but just food lines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But just for nationally, it would be uh, Amazon or our website. Okay, great. And tell me a little bit about what your experience was with the pandemic. Had you been to a trade show with your products? Um, around that time. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah. So absolutely. We had attended the Gulf Food Show, which was in Dubai. And this was our first big food show, our first endeavor in, you know, really trying to get our product out and launch internationally. And this food show was in February of 2020. So you know what was going on then. We had, at the time, it was a, an epidemic and it wasn't a, a pandemic. So, mm -hmm. you know, we thought it's not that big of a deal. From the time that we got to Dubai to the time that we left, about 12 days later, it had turned into a full-blown pandemic, COVID. Mm -hmm. So the food show itself went very well. Uh, we met a lot of distributors, um, a lot of buyers, um, but due to the world shutting down, uh, it just didn't take off much from that. So we're now attending our first official second show here at the Fancy Food Show. Um, and we know this is also a very prominent top show. So we hope, you know, lots will come from this one. Great. Right. And do you work with the distributor now? We do. We do work with the distributor now. Uh, his footprint is in the Carolinas in the southeast. Uh, so it's good. So that's where the Publix comes in and the Harris Teeters and the food lines come in. So uh, we're doing well there, but just really looking forward to expanding west, mm -hmm. uh, which is the reason why we're here today. And northeast, of course, right mm -hmm. up here mm -hmm. this way. So mm -hmm. Okay. And yeah. do you work with a co-packer or do you produce... We have a co-packer that, that we work with as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not too far from our mill, which is nice. So mm -hmm. they actually pick up from our mill, um, they bag, seal, and then ship out to our distributors. So 
you know, we're ready. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about um, demand for your products during the pandemic? You know, we hear from about so many categories where the demand really ramped up. Others, things were a little slower. How did it go for your brand? No, it ramped up. I mean, obviously, people weren't going out as much because a lot of things were shut down. People didn't even want to go to grocery stores. So our online sales, did we ever catch? I think it like tripled. Yeah. Like something mm-hmm. crazy. Um So our online sales from Amazon and then our website. Um, So we just invested more in doing uh, social media um, and we just (laughs) basically sold online. Um, Because I'm not sure if our distributor was buying as much during the pandemic time. Yeah, I mean, it it, it was about the same. About the same, maybe. But um, online sales definitely increased. Yeah. So I guess one of the good things from COVID is it gave us that exposure mm-hmm. because more people were shopping online, like mm-hmm. Monique said, and it stayed that way. Mm-hmm. So it's nice. Yeah. It's nice. We do quite well on Amazon. Uh, we have Amazon choices, the Amazon choice badge for sweet okay. potato pancake mix. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think we're rated four, four and a half. Six. Yeah, 4.6 4. 6 stars. Now. Oh, that's great. Out of five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people love the product. It's just um, yeah. and it's, it's unique. It's unique. Very unique. It's healthier amongst mm-hmm. pancakes. Flavorful. Fla- yeah. 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 And what are there things that you can do with the mix besides just make pancakes? Absolutely. So the pancake ratio is like two to one, two parts mix to one part water. Okay. But if you change the ratio, you can do fritters. Um, you can do hush puppies. Uh, you can do biscuits. I've done little mini butt cakes before. Um, so, yeah, there's I've multiple heard people things. do funnel cakes, sweet potato oh, funnel cakes. That you sounds can delicious. do funnel cakes. Yeah. And we have, beyond the, the sweet potato mix, we have a buttercream mix. So, a lot of times they do the funnel cakes with the buttercream mix because that's more like the regular funnel cake flavor. Okay. So, do you use social media to put these ideas out to consumers? And we do. Like, no? We do. We do. Mm-hmm. What we channels do. do you use? Mostly Instagram. Okay. Uh, we do Facebook as well. Uh, but we blast tremendously on mm-hmm. Instagram because that's yeah. where people are. Yeah. Yeah. Have you worked with influencers? Yes. So <laughs> we worked with a very big influencer now. So she wasn't as big when we first worked with her. Mm-hmm. So are you familiar with uh, Tabitha Brown? I've heard the name. So Tabitha Brown um, is huge now. Now she has her own spice line, but she was a big vegan influencer. Okay. And we worked with her it, uh, four years ago. Yeah. And maybe it was like four years ago. And yeah. she was literally just starting. Right. Um, and yeah, she tried our product and pushed it out for us. And then she blew up. Like she's huge. She has her own show now. So now she's like mega, mega big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we still have the video. <laughs> we'll still play it and push it on social but media. But that also motivated us because. I mean, she was a little bit further along than us, but we were kind of still in the same space. Mm-hmm. So to see her take She's off like mega, that, yeah. that lets us know that we can do the same. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So. And then did you see sort of like an uptick? Oh, big time. yes. Yeah, she has a huge following, even now more than then, but then she had one. So when she pushed our product, sales like... I, we sold out on Amazon. Yeah, we sold out. Then wow. people started buying from our website. Like, you know, so, yeah, it was amazing. So now we still have some of those same customers. Mm-hmm. Have you um, had any issues 
working with the co-packer, we've heard from some of our members that especially during the pandemic, there were challenges happening, you know, challenges related even to the availability of glass for some packaging. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, you know, the cold packing space is, is, is a pretty challenging space to navigate just in general mm-hmm. because it's, believe it or not, it's really hard to find people to pack your product. <laughs> they just, for whatever reason, don't want to do it. Or if they do they do it, charge. it costs you an arm and a leg. Right. Um, so during COVID, we, our challenge was, was staffing. Right. Yeah, they reduced their hours. Yeah. They yeah. reduced their hours. Um, so everything slowed up, which means the distributor gets the product. Not in real slower, mm-hmm. which yeah. means the store gets it slower. Um, but everybody else had the same issue too. Okay. So that was a good thing. It wasn't just us. Uh, yeah. The good news is they pick back up now. Mm-hmm. So okay. we're back to in full motion and full yep. swing again. So that's good. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. yeah. What advice might you give to somebody, to a maker who is considering working with a co-packer? Is there advice about managing that relationship? Um, the only thing that I would say is uh, once you hold your place with them, you have to maintain it because, you know, you don't want to fluctuate in your volume with them Mm -hmm. because if you like reduce it, they're going to find, you know, other businesses to fill it up. And Mm -hmm. then once you need them again, they're like, we don't really have the capacity, you know, for that increase in business that you're now trying to offer us back again. So it's like, once you have that space, you you need to maintain it. Good point. Mm -hmm. Yep. Great. Um, so your business is woman owned, half, you're, you're the half owner, um, minority owned and U.S. veteran owned yes. as well. Um, so are you finding that there are more opportunities than there used to be for food makers such as yours? We hear about so many buyers who are now looking for more diverse ownership when it comes to the suppliers that they're bringing into their stores. Is that something that you're feeling or? Not necessarily. It's something that we've looked into. Okay. I can't tell you that it's something that we've been successful with so far. Um, And it it may be just the channels and finding the right persons to Mm -hmm. to be able to assist with that. That seems to be the bigger challenge than anything else. Um, Even when you're talking to buyers at the store who are familiar with the programs, a lot of times their plates are full with just other stuff. And so that kind of stuff comes in later. So yeah. it's it's just, that's the challenge. That's yeah. the challenge. Yeah, it, we care it, about the programs, but I don't know if we necessarily benefited from them. Um, sometimes I just feel like the product speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and the opportunities that we have are just because it's a good product. Yeah. Period. Right. Yeah. Have you ever considered becoming certified? So there's like a women business certification. Yeah, is, we thought about. We that. thought about it. I guess. I guess the question is for us: How will it help us? Mm-hmm. You know, how will it move our business forward? Right. Because it's nice to go through the process, but is that going to actually really? end up in business? Right. So, I've yet to see that, uh-huh. but maybe, maybe yeah, it's maybe still. We we're, have yeah. It. That's disheartening to hear because it seems like you know we're writing a lot about retailers that have this, these programs where they're trying to get in. Um, they do, but they have a quota. And yeah. I think once they find their one or two right. ethnic buys, they're like, we're good on that. So now we're back over here. So we just find it's easier just to operate on the larger space. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about 
supply chain hurdles that you might be dealing with right now? When you say supply chain, well, like our bag manufacturer, yeah, it was. We had to switch. Well, during COVID, you we had to switch we different because our manufacturers out of China. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So during COVID, that you know they had shut down. Yeah, uh, like for a while. Um, and we brought our bags, uh, our bags here in the states, which is significantly which more. It cost double. Oh, you would think it to would make our bags right, here in the, the US, right. but yeah. So that means there's less profit to be made because we're paying yeah. more out on bags. Um, so that was also a hurdle and challenge. Um, are you finding that your ingredients are more costly than they used to be? Cost has definitely gone up. Yeah. And, and in turn, we've had to, to, to raise our prices up mm -hmm. as well to the distributor. Um, be, yeah. I've actually went up twice. Yeah. Actually we're hearing that from so prices. many of our members. Right. But I'll tell you the biggest hurdle of them all, shipping. Shipping has not only increased, it's difficult to find dependable shipping. Like people will say they'll pick up your product or they'll ship your product and product will be sitting at the warehouse because they never came to get it. Oh, no. So finding shippers, I mean... There was a trucker shortage. Yeah, so I, think I think it's just the nature of the beast of what's going on. You know, right there's, now in the there's market. a staffing yeah. shortage everywhere. Right, right. And shipping is no different. Um, those who ship. Yeah, shipping is probably our biggest challenges. You know, in terms of if it's if it's set to arrive on Monday, it, it'll get there Wednesday or Thursday, mm -hmm. and or if it's set to pick up on Thursday, it won't pick up until Monday of the following week. Even though you paid for three-day or two-day shipping. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, whatever. But what, right. what do you do? I mean, you're, you're dealing with FedExes of the world and, and yep. that. I mean, what yeah. are you going to do, right? Wait. <laughs> so yeah. this is something that your customers that that purchase your products on Amazon are dealing with? They're Amazon, getting, not so much. No. Amazon, not so much. And I, Amazon. Did they handle the shipping? Does Amazon? Amazon handles the shipping. So okay. we, so so we for our Amazon piece, we we send our product into their distribution center, and, okay. and then they distribute Basically, out yeah. accordingly. So this oh, is for like okay. this, the brick and mortar stores right. that we, yeah. So the product isn't necessarily showing up on time, right? Yeah. Correct. Okay. Correct. Oh wow. So that's a bit of a challenge, um, but I mean, it's it's you just work through it. Yeah. You know, what do you do, right? You, you depend best. on these guys to, to move your product. So, And I think things will get better in time. It's just part of the whole COVID piece going on. And as things get better, yeah. I think the shipping will also get better. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you do any in-store sampling of your products? Oh, gosh. We did plenty of it, especially pre-COVID. Okay. We were yeah. always in grocery stores doing sampling. Um, a lot of times uh, we travel out of state. Mm -hmm. To do sampling as mm -hmm. well. We do festivals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Were those successful for you? Very that? much so. Very much yeah. so. That's how we got a really strong following online, like from the festivals that we meet people at, from the grocery stores. Um, haven't done it in a while, but yeah, it was it was fun too, just to get out there and touch people, Absolutely. Talk, talk to people. Yeah. So. Yeah. We anticipate uh, this show to be the same. I think mm -hmm. people, once people smell, it, it, there's a yeah. smell with that sweet potato pancake mix. Oh, okay. When you put it in a waffle griddle, it fills up the room and it, it's like heaven. People mm -hmm. love it. It's like, yeah. So I, I really giving morning. Yeah. So I really <laughs> oh, I think people that. will will come. We'll, we'll draw. It'll draw people on the floor yeah. out there tomorrow. Yeah. So. Yeah. What would you say is next for your company? Hmm. 
Well, we still have our eye on more international distribution. Okay. Um, so maybe next year. Mm -hmm. uh, we definitely think we'll attend that Gulf Food show again. Okay. Uh, for sure. Um, we've done some business uh, internationally. We've, we've sent a couple pallets out to Sweden already. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, they already are starting to notice us overseas. So it's just doing more of the same, right? So mm -hmm. it's it's on the way. It's coming. And I'm glad we're here, too, because, again, I think once we once we get a larger footprint here in the States, yeah. people will recognize the brand more, mm -hmm. um, and it will be easier for us to go overseas. So just a yeah. quick funny story. We were shooting a commercial at our house uh, a few months ago, and our neighbor saw us shooting the commercial, and she asked us, she said, what are you guys um, – what were you guys doing out back? And we said, oh, she's actually talking to Monique. And Monique said, well, we were shooting a commercial for our, our food product. And she said, well, what's your food product? What do you guys do? Well, no, this Go is ahead. what she said. Uh -huh. <laughs> we were shooting commercial. And she said, I saw you. I didn't mean to be nosy, but I saw you guys shooting on your back deck. And I saw um, a product that I use. Is that your product? And I said, yeah, she was like, I buy it all the time. I had no idea. So our neighbor wow. had no idea that we own Literally the next door to us. <laughs> like, literally. She's like, I buy it all the time. <laughs> and I was like, that's us. Yeah. That's wonderful. And um, right, can you tell me about the name of your company and how it came to be? Yeah. So so this is really kind of my father's idea. But so my grandmother, his mother, her name was Ro uh, Rosalie mm -hmm. and her mother's name was Ella. So we put the two together and made it Rosella. Oh, that's really special. Yeah. That's so nice. And every now and again, we'll run into somebody that says, my grandmother's name is Rosella. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, we just made the name. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, okay. Right. That's great. Yeah. So we're almost out of time. But before you go, we'd like for you to participate in our final segment that's called Take Five, where we pose five questions to our guests. But first, let's pause for a break. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Okay, here are your five questions for our final segment, Take Five. What is your favorite thing about the specialty food industry? Mm. 
Hmm. I think it's just all the unique finds that that are part of it. Um, it's just not ordinary, regular things. It's it's unique finds. Um, like me and my mother, we love to go to like uh, little small quaint towns in the south because you mm-hmm. can go to little boutique stores. So this is literally like going to one big boutique store of special finds. Yeah. And what do you like most about being a specialty food association member? I like the opportunity to network. Um, It seems like endless opportunity. Um, For example, this morning we had our first meeting was just okay. Our second meeting, the guy didn't show. And our third meeting was excellent. Mm -hmm. So, I like that opportunity. There's, there's always going to be opportunity there for mm-hmm. us that you grow. can't find out there like that. Like That's right. they bring it here, so it's it's it mimics the real world, but it's almost better because you're in this incubator where mm-hmm. there's a lot of opportunity. Right. I mean, it's not going to always be a you know a home run, but there's more opportunities to be home runs here. That's right. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't running a business, what would you be doing? Oh. Running another business. <laughs> That's what a lot of people say. <laughs> he is a, an entrepreneur at heart. So, yeah. That's great. And what's the one piece of advice you'd give a new food business? Mm. I guess don't give up, right? Because there's many times that we were like, are we going to, like, we would always have this talk, like, are we going to keep you know, doing this next year, if this year doesn't go well. And then we'd ha- we'd be right on the brink of maybe giving up and then something would spark a new distribution contract or something that we'd be like, okay, that was all we needed. We're going to keep going. So mm-hmm. every year, you know, we'll, we'll kind of look at, look, look at each other and say, are we going to keep going? And then something would pop off and we're like, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to keep going. And if yeah. I don't, if you don't mind, I want to add to that. Um, things like the Specialty Foods Association, uh, be a part of that. Um, it, it matters. It'll put you in the right place. For us, uh, we started off with the food broker. A food broker was helpful for us because it, it, it plugged us into the distributors that we work mm-hmm. with now. Um, so I think those two, just, just those two things alone mm-hmm. will help a new business kind of get their feet wet and going. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Networking. And how would you define specialty food? Mm. Like the association? Um, just specialty food in general. Like, what makes specialty food special, in other words? It's kind of what you were saying yeah. earlier. Um, you know, it's, it's. I mean, we look out your window now, and I know your listeners can't see it. But I look out on the floor, and I see all the different countries and all the different colors and foods. That's, that's what special. That's specialty foods. Yeah. You know? Um, it's exciting. It's literally like bridging the gap of... Different countries, different ethnicities, introducing people to just a different world, but it's all under one roof and you're all just coming together. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what makes it special. It's like, it's exciting. Like when during showtime, you can just kind of feel the energy yeah. of, of everyone. Everyone's excited. Everyone has, everyone's optimistic. You know, mm-hmm. this is the place where you can make it. That's right. A big thank you to Monique and Ray Dukes for joining us today. You can find out more about this show at specialtyfood.com and heritageradionetwork.org. And remember to follow wherever you get your podcasts. Come back often to get to know the people who are shaping the future of food. Special thanks to Monique and Ray and to Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. 
This is Spill and Dish, a Specialty Food Association podcast. Spill and Dish is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.